testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a test. In some games, there's a ball. Others have bats. Sometimes men fight over a rubber disc sliding down a sheet of ice. There's plays and schemes. Reps and warm-ups. But when game time hits, there's only one objective. Shoot. Score. Throw. Hit. Make a play. In other words, do the things. Win the points. Oh, yeah, yeah, it would help if I turn on the mic. Yeah, sorry about that. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, yeah, I uh, have not had a soda in a week and a half. I've lost four pounds, and uh, I'm sore as crap, but I feel good. <laughs> trying to think of what I did this weekend, and honestly, I think I kept it pretty relaxed, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, that's just something that's not right. With NFL playoffs and the coldest weather of the year, it's never been a complaint for me. Lots of football Yeah, it's a lot of bad football being played this weekend, but yeah, it is what it is. Also, Saturday night, uh, went to go call uh, JUUNF. Uh, good Lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think we were going to wait until later in the show to stunt, but I guess we could do it now. Good Lord. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord. Y'all thought you were ready. You weren't. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was ugly. <laughs> in, in every sense of the word, that was ugly. Uh, it, it happens. Like, uh, I mean, let's just be real. You want to play the tougher, tougher, like, out of yes, schedule to get ready. And unfortunately, Jay, you did not. Because guess what? When you play in the A-Sun and one of, what, 25 other low major conferences in America, your non-conference schedule, wins and losses, do not matter. Correct. And in a lot of cases, you're, I mean, the regular season conference play matters in the sense of getting home court in the conference tournament, and that's about it. Yep. That's very true. As yeah. Matthew Driscoll said, uh, we're about the happiest 6-12 and 12 team in America, <laughs> and it's legitimately true. <laughs> yeah, good on them, man. They are, they're, they're amazing. They, they are an amazing basketball team. Clemson, Alabama. Let's go ahead and dive into this. A game that kind of started off with a 14 to nothing lead going late into the second quarter until Clemson put up a touchdown late. And you start to think, all right, it's the typical Alabama. It's just going to kind of run it down, down your throat and hold this game out 24-10 you know, type situation. But Clemson battles back. Score 21 in the fourth quarter to, to, to pull off one of 
it seemed like initially shades of that title game between Alabama and Notre Dame when I think Eddie Lacy was the tailback then yes. and nobody on Notre Dame's roster seemed to be interested or capable of tackling him. Uh, Bo Scarborough basically did the same thing in the first half of that game where he was just bouncing off dudes and you know breaking long touchdown runs. 14 nothing. Clemson did nothing offensively until late in the first half. And then Deshaun Watson started doing Deshaun Watson things. The second year in a row that this dude has been... I mean, obviously... Great college quarterback, a tremendous pro prospect, had a phenomenal career in Clemson, but he's elevated his game two years in a row against this year's Alabama defense, which was the best defense in college football, topping only last year's Alabama defense. And yet Deshaun Watson has lit him up for two years in a row. And yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. I, the, the fourth quarter is almost indescribable. I had somebody at work this morning being like, "Yeah, I fell asleep here. I'm gonna need a recap of the fourth. I'm like, "We might be here a while." <laughs> You might want to watch it on ESPN Classic, my brother. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the thing about, like, and speaking about Clemson up in the first half, though, even though they were down 14 nothing, the defense wasn't playing fast, right. like, at all. They were just kind of hanging in there. It's like, yeah, Bo Scarborough is going to break one off on you. It's going to happen. But, I mean, defensively, they were pretty sound. Clemson secondary essentially dominated the game, except for when O.J. Howard put on his invisibility cloak a couple of times. Okay. Other than that... Like Jalen Hurts did absolutely nothing throwing the football outside of one of one or two plays, and I was yeah I was impressed with the way that Clemson's defense for all four quarters just stepped up at the point of attack. I mean, Bo Scarborough for the most part had to try and break tackles, and he was doing it in the first half, but you know he didn't have much in the way of just wide open lanes to start plays. And I mean, there was Jalen Hurts as much as a run in the fourth quarter, but against a physical team to which there's really no comparison in college football in Alabama, Clemson showed that it can play ball in the trenches, and that was, I think, what impressed the most. Brent Venables, who's the defensive coordinator for Clemson, basically said, we are going to try to make uh, Jalen Hurts beat us with his arm. And they loaded up the box. Yet Jalen Hurts may, may have gotten a run here or there, as you said a few moments ago, both Scarborough is going to get his. But they really made Alabama, they really took them out of their, took them out of their element. Uh, they lined up against Alabama. They punched them in the mouth. Uh, that fourth quarter uh, was just an amazing quarter to see. A couple of, uh, uh, of quick uh, highlights. The the one fumble uh, that uh, Alabama had, uh, or that Alabama scooped up in the second half, if the fullback for Clemson doesn't get there to stop him, the game's game over. Um, another one, you had uh, on a screen play, on like a third and 17 late in the fourth quarter, uh, the running back, if he catches that ball, no one's catching him. Ball game. O.J. Howard gets in there, makes makes a mistake, catches the ball. He should have been blocking on that play. They're short of the first down. They've got a punt. Listen, man, O.J. Howard needs all the targets he can get. <laughs> right. Sometimes he's got to literally <laughs> take matters into his own hands. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, Ben Bolware, uh, the linebacker for, for Clemson, was a man last night. He was an amazing ball player. And I was talking to a couple of my uh, students today at the school. Um, Mike Williams made him a whole lot of money last Ooh. night. He made him a Sean Watson made himself a lot of money, too. I mean, but, but still, Mike Williams was just an amazing, amazing. You, you can see the difference when Mike Williams is in the football game as opposed to when Mike Williams is not in the game. He got knocked out at the, at the toward the beginning of the football game, had to stay, come out for a couple of series, got back in, and that just gave Clemson's offense that shot in the arm that they needed. Hunter Renfro with a huge catch down the stretch in the fourth quarter to put them deep in the red zone and set them up for ultimately uh, the, the, the game-winning touchdown. Now, on that touchdown pass, was it a pick? 
wasn't a rub. Just depends on what color you're. If you're if you're a Crimson Tide fan, it was a pick. If you're a, a Clemson fan, it was a natural old rub play. I wouldn't be surprised if the NCAA rules committee looks at this and really it, it really is in tune with this because we saw this last year with Florida State and my and, uh, and Notre Dame in Tallahassee where they get a touchdown. Notre Dame gets a touchdown, but it was a, it was called a, a pick play. It's called an offensive pass interference, so that takes that touchdown off the board. It was basically the same thing last night when we saw uh, between Clemson and, and Alabama. So I wouldn't be surprised if the rules committee looks at that, but all in all, it's a great play. To be fair, they didn't call the first pick play touchdown for Clemson, so why would they call the second True. one? The first one was more egregious. I forget if it was Jordan Leggett or somebody else. Basically threw a block, which allowed Mike Williams to get open on that fade for a touchdown. This one, Leggett at least just kind of stood there. Yeah. So he didn't make it super obvious. And, I mean, it would be – I mean, you would have to have some – intestinal fortitude to throw that flag in that That's situation that, that, with that. one and second really, left it, in the game. It really, not that I'm doubting the referee's intestinal right. fortitude, because I'm not going to make that dude mad. It, it, right. Uh, that dude lifts. Yeah, yeah. He, he did not miss like Ed Hockley is shook. <laughs> Ed Hockley, for the entire second half of that game, was in the gym. <laughs> because I'm pretty yeah, sure that he all of a sudden felt very inadequate. you got to get those tries breaking, man. Pr- pretty much it, it just came down to – Looking at certain camera angles of that play, one camera angle looks like the Clemson, the, uh, Clemson defender is an obvious pass interference. Another angle shows that the Alabama defender initiated contact, grabbed the wide receiver. So I, I like the fact that they, didn't, they did not throw that flag. And the balls of, of Dabo Sweeney, one second on the clock, you're either going to win a national championship or you're going to lose a national championship. To be able to go ahead and, and, and say we're going to roll the dice and throw the ball for a touchdown, that's just an amazing play. They missed an earlier targeting call, too, so I guess it's one of those things where it's like, we're just going to let let it ride. <laughs> yeah, when Mike Williams almost got knocked out of the – if that's not targeting, I'm not totally sure what right. it is. Which, by the way, might have a little complaint about the Clemson Tigers' training uh, staff. There's no way Mike Williams should have been back in that game. And I understand that, yeah, it's a national title game. It's a big game for this boy. He got knocked out for a while. He got knocked loopy, and they sent him out, what, two series later. It's a good thing they waited a few series, I guess, to kind of let him work his way back on the field. But, man, like, watching that heat hit and then seeing his reaction, like, when he came back in and lined up, I was like, that man's not right. Like, he should not be playing. Right. I mean, if Matt Moore can only miss one play on Sunday, then I guess anything's possible. I mean, but he's a professional. He's taking his place. He's a medicine. That's true. Let's go ahead and kind of jump into the way, way, way too early top 25. That's courtesy of ESPN. Um, the end of season top 25. The Hurricanes are number yeah. 20. Miami's at what? 20. 20. And then uh, Florida is F- at 14. F- yeah, F- FSU's at 9 or 8, I believe. So the top 10 picks for all ACC, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I, heard some, I heard some guys with the bar yesterday chanting SEC. I was like, I cannot. I know. In a public then, space, you're really chanting if you're a conference. Well, like, I was excited to see Clemson, like, win and, you know, represent. Because the ACC has always sort of been the SEC's whipping boy in terms of reputation. Even though the results on the field, by the way, have been pretty one-sided in the ACC's favor. It has. But it's just like... Maybe this is my perception as a non-SEC fan. The legitimacy, the legitimacy with which people are like. Yeah, and, it's, and they're not even doing the job. Like 
that's coming from a fan. So it is what it is, man. I, I just, I've never understood this conference side. Like, I guess for, for ATC fans, like, it at least makes it valid where it's like, all right, Florida State's legit, you know, Clemson's legit, you know, you've got, like, North Carolina, you've got Miami that's kind of on Georgia the Tech won a bowl game. Yeah, so it's like, okay, I can see why you would take pride in, like, take pride in that. And for a long title. time, the ACC was just a bad football conference for a very, very, very long time, thus having to go and get a Miami and having to go and get a Virginia Tech or, or get a Pittsburgh and get a Syracuse to try to come in and try to strengthen your conference and make it relevant. And now for that fruit of that labor to, to, to come when you've got Florida State winning a national championship a few years ago and now you've got uh, Clemson winning one. True indeed, yes, yes. Forgive me, my for, for, forgive me, listeners in Chestnut Hill. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. He's got dudes. And Steve Adazio is just in every room. Who was doing the coach podcast? Uh, Adazio, Dino Babers from uh, Syracuse. Dino Babers from Syracuse. Matt Rule with Baylor. Wasn't McElwain in there at one point? McElwain was on the fine bomb. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. I would not listen to that. Not at all. Right. No I couldn't. But yeah, the, the film room was interesting. I think there were a couple too many coaches, like yeah. Dave Dorn from NC State and Kalani Sataki from BYU really didn't say a whole lot uh, unless they were prompted by Brian, Gre- by Brian Greasy. But you've got, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We've got, what, Mike McCartney and uh, Colorado, yeah. From Colorado. Who just and, signed an extension, by the way. And Matt Rule and Steve Adazio and Dino Baber is just kind of like riffing off the cuff <laughs> and just reacting to things that they see. It was it, awesome. It's pretty interesting. Like, I wouldn't necessarily want to watch that when the game was on the line, which is why I flipped back right after halftime. I flipped back to the main broadcast because guess what? Valor and Herbert do a great job. They do. But it's cool to kind of see coaches in that loose environment. I did notice that there were there were three ACC Atlantic coaches, so three division rivals of Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. There were no SEC coaches in that room because I think they are all terrified <laughs> of saying anything that Nick Saban could take advantage of. Or they're all just chilling. Yeah, but Alabama's not losing their quarterback in Clemson. Number two, Florida State. Um, okay. Uh, Cam Akers uh, comes in. Another uh, running back uh, in the ESPN top uh, 300 comes in. Uh, okay, we'll see. Got to got to fix that offensive line, but we'll, we'll see. And that that's going to be an, an early test right there. First game out of the gate in Jerry World. Number three, USC. Okay, Sam Darnold. Yeah. I think I would have honestly flipped them to number four, number three. You got number four, Penn State. Uh, Whether Penn State can maintain the same. I mean, the, at the same time, USC just beat Penn State, and you're going to throw a trace for Sorley over Sam Darnold after that? I mean, come on, man. I mean, they were both lighting up. Saquon Barkley back for another year. All right. Okay, well, hold on. One of those two teams lost to Pitt. <laughs> I think that's a, I know that Clemson just won the national championship, but in other scenarios, losing to Pitt is the tiebreaker. Here's your tiebreaker. <laughs> Number five, Clemson, the national title winners are at five. They're going to have to replace a quarterback and a replace a wide receiver. They're going to have to replace a lot. Number six, Urban Myers, Ohio State coming in. Uh, they return nine starters on offense and on defense. But you somehow JT Barrett still has eligibility, evidently. I know, right? Samuel. Yeah. Hooker, that, that is the guy that and, I 
Samuel is the wide receiver running back. I think he's uh, declared for the NFL draft. Uh, number seven, Oklahoma State. Eight, Washington. Oklahoma State? Yeah. I mean, how long? They, win? they won 11 games this year. How long are we going to do this for my country? They were 10-3 this year. They no, 10-3, whatever. They, they well, okay, they were 11-2 because there was that Central Michigan game where they Central Michigan got a play that should never but, happen. Yeah. Yeah. But how long are we going to do this? I mean, they did lose to Kansas State earlier in the year. Mike Gundy's about to turn 50, so we got to keep it rolling. Keep that in mind, that Mullen is still glorious. True. <laughs> got Washington at number eight. Uh, I think it's fair. Uh, Who's going to knock them off in the, I mean, other than USC? No one in the Pac-12 North is going to knock them off. Jake Browning will be a junior. I mean, you can't. you got to, you know, whether Washington can do it, get back to the playoff, I have no idea, but they should be a pretty sure thing for 10 wins. I think, I think Oregon is Wisconsin comes in at 9, Oklahoma at 10, Auburn at 11, Auburn at 11, Who is playing quarterback for Auburn? Exactly. Yeah. I was about to ask the same question. That's my point. Like, Sean White isn't that good and then breaks bones and they keep him in the game because they have nobody else. And John Franklin III really hasn't done what you expected him to do, which is take that thing over and do like Nick Marshall did a few years ago. Right. Number 12, Michigan. Now, this. That might be too low. Ah, it might be way too low. Four starters on offense and one quarterback. Yeah. Everybody knows who they are. They gone. Everybody. <laughs> they gone. Yeah. Thirteen, Georgia. Eight and five under Kirby Smart this year. They return seven seven offensive starters. Jury's still out on Jacob on Jacob Eason. They're losing their two running backs. I like Jacob Eason. Uh, Sonny Michelle's gone. Nick Chubb's gone. I thought Chubb's going back. I thought Chubb was. I We don't understand why he's coming no back because as a right. running back, he has nothing to gain, but right. he'll be there. Hey, who's the backup at uh, Sonny Michelle? Sonny Michelle. Both of them should have. Both of them should have gotten mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know. Both of them are like, oh, we're going back to school this year. You can't do that yet because then you go back to school next year. Right. right. When your knees are grounded and dust. Yeah, or at least once the check clears, <laughs> at least get the money, fam. So you got 14 Stanford, 15 LSU. Hey, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, who's big, playing quarterback? Big question mark. <laughs> he gone. Cornell, they're gone. Him really gone. Good night. I mean, there is a lot of Nikosi Perry hype right now, and it'll be interesting. I mean, Jack Allison was an early enrollee this past year, redshirted, so obviously he's, you know, have essentially the maximum amount of time of anybody. That's a long-term answer. Obviously, the most experienced guy on the roster right now, Malik Rogier, has started and played a little bit in spots. But I think that they're, you know, hopefully that one of those guys, whether it's Jack Allison, Kosey Perry, or Kate Weldon, will you know emerge the way that Brad Kaya did as a freshman and kind of take those reins. We'll see. There's a lot of talent around whoever that starting quarterback Mark is going to be. Mark Walton still toting the ball. Mark Walton, Gus Edwards, Amon Richards, some other young backs and, and such. That front seven on defense is yes. terrifying. Yes. <laughs> Can Phil Snyder, 77 years old, keep his Wildcats at the 17th spot? I don't see They're going to win not. somewhere between seven and nine games. Phil, possibly. Get we're we're not going to see a single second of their season, but they're going to be around. They're probably going to make another trip to the Valero Alamo Bowl because <laughs> it's pretty much they're destined for San Antonio uh, every I'll, single year. They were 5-0 against teams in Texas. Were there any good teams in Texas other than Houston, possibly? No. No. Not really. 
really like who was the best team in Texas? TCU, I guess, and they weren't even good. Yeah, A&M, no. This wasn't A&M. Was it? Thank Houston had TCU. way too many, like, ugh, yeah, performances. Like, what happened? Like, TCU, no. I don't, good question. Tom Herman's jump is a lifetime. He really did. Now that I'm thinking he about really that job, I was like, I had spat it off. I was like, yo, he should stay at Houston was the for a come year up two. right there. Nah, <laughs> Texas called. They were like, yeah, uh, we just fired Charlie. Want to make a switch? You want it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> might as well. Get paid. Yeah, you might as well get paid by Texas. Hey, you want to drive a couple of hours up whatever highway it is that connects Houston and Austin? Like, yeah, go for it. Get home. It's just a straight or wrong. Dallas is so interesting. Louisville at 18. We got TCU at 19. USF sneaking in at 20. Charlie Charlie Strong factor already. Uh, yeah. Okay. They won. Nine or ten games last year, right? Eleven. Yeah, they were eleven and two, including. Well, I mean, it's a half. Quinn Flowers win. done. It's a half win when you beat Muschamp. In, in Quinn Flowers done. Uh, he was gonna be back. He is gonna be back. Back because uh, Marlon Mack is gonna be back. Okay. Coming in at twenty-one, Florida. Who's <laughs> in everybody on defense? Why are they ranked? Like, why? They've got to replace a the quarterback. They they're losing everybody on defense. They've done nothing. How are they ranked 21? I don't know, but... They're feeling good in the neighborhood. That's what they're doing. <laughs> the rest of the East is trash. Is God all... Yeah, you're hot right. Take. Quick, quick draft hot take. I think the Bills are the better team. I can see that. Like, the Eagles are looking head, 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 headlines and stuff, but I think that makes them look worse. Kind of like Hargraves. Well, Hargraves is getting to the first round multiple times. Like, he's just not like a first round pick. I'm like... That's a whole other thing. Pittsburgh gonna haunt some problems with Pete Thompson Greens because they're ranked 22. I mean, hey, let's get weird. Pitt certainly made it weird last year, beating both Penn State and Clemson, getting boat raced by Miami. Nathan Biederman's gone. James Conner's gotta be gone, right? Yeah. Can we use let's get weird as our motto for the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm with it. I'm kind of with it. Like I had a. I kind of don't want to get weird, but okay. I was in a group chat. I was in a group chat with some friends uh, earlier this week, and I was just like, you know what? I'm a little bit confused. I think Pitt hit the over in every game this season, which is bizarre when it's like, yeah, Pat Narduzzi comes from Michigan State, and all of a sudden there's just shootouts everywhere. Right. Including, the, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Pitt-Syracuse game is going to outscore all of the Pitt-Syracuse basketball matchups. Yeah, I agree. It's possible. And then uh, let's round out the last couple of picks here. You've got 23 Washington State. 24. Speaking of getting weird. <laughs> right. 24 Virginia Tech, and rounding out the top 25, five and seven Texas. Cause yeah, because you, you can't have Texas not be in the top. 25. I mean, right, but Virginia Tech, Gerard Evans inexplicably is gone. So who do they have? They lose. They lose Gerard Evans and Isaiah, Isaiah Ford, Ford and yeah. Bucky Hodges. Like, who is playing offense for that team? I realize that Justin Fuente did a phenomenal job, and this was sort of a rebuilding year, except for. You know, those experienced skill position players at Virginia Tech, and they still had a very good season, but the unknowns are rampant with I mean, that team. Technically, Texas is only losing three offensive starters, and the remaining 10 
Yeah, the, the running back, Dante yeah. Foreman. Keep in mind, James Michelle. Yeah, James Michelle's back. Back, ready yeah. to roll. Colts do the Snickers and the Snickers. Remember that Texas Notre Dame game? We thought, hey, there were these are two good teams in the shootout to open the year. We were so excited because we're like, yo, like Texas could be back, Notre Dame could be back, and man, no. Yeah, well, Notre Dame won a couple of games. We don't we don't talk about the Miami Hurricanes in October. <laughs> we just we don't speak of it. No, we don't. Well, let's switch to the NFL, right? Do you guys want to talk Jags first, or do you want to talk uh, Wildcard Weekend? Let's talk Wildcard Weekend. Okay. Wildcard Weekend kind of sucked for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That might be just like arguably the most competitive game was the one featuring Connor Cook and Brock Osweiler. <laughs> Oakland and Houston. Um, Houston was out of Which, uh, you, can you expect him to be prepared? He's no. never played, never started an NFL game. Also Again, when we last saw Connor Cook, he was getting dismantled by Alabama. And now he goes up against the top five defensive professional football players. Right. Brock Osweiler comes back from that game, though. Starting next week. Uh, he might not be finishing next week, but yeah, he'll be starting. He'll be starting. Seattle dismantles Well, I mean, if if there was an entry for backing into the playoffs, I know it's cliche in the dictionary. Uh, the, the definition. Correct. Completely fell apart. Only because the Washington semi-professional football organization <laughs> couldn't take advantage. Yeah, they Detroit somehow ended Detroit up in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm going to put some money on Bud Dupree's books because what he did to Matt Moore, good Lord, criminal. <laughs> criminal. Like, Speaking of criminality, uh, Joey Porter? Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> hours after the win, Speaking too. of let's get weird. <laughs> I mean, dude, you just, went up, you just won a game at home and you already getting locked up? <laughs> In more ways than more one. Ways than one man. I think you just promote James Harrison, the linebackers coach. I'm with it. I, you might as well. I'm about player, it. Player coach situation there. I'm with it. Have you seen his videos of him lifting? It's terrifying. That's, that 38-year-old it, it man me. should be able to do that. That like, scares the crap out of me. Who knows that he's able to, but that is terrifying. But James Harrison seems like the kind of guy that would do something like that. He's going to be like Urkel Andre, lifting and like running and doing all, like have the physique of a early 30s dude. He's doing MMA. 68, yeah. yeah. He's doing MMA as soon as this is his career. Yo, that is so, that, like, if James Harrison starts to start fighting MMA, I'm here for it. I am yeah. all about it, because I want to see him just, just be I'm calling it now. Like, some straight monster. Brock Lesnar and James Harrison for the UFC title. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's really good. The only reason I say that is because, like, I, how big is James Harrison? He's like, that's Definitely, yeah. And then Green Bay and the Giants. I thought this 
was expecting so much more from that game. Patriots fans who eat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was nice <laughs> watching the Giants completely unable to do anything whatsoever. And I don't want to hear anything about the reason they lost that game is because Odell and went down to Miami on that Monday. No, it wasn't. No. As, as Trey Stop Song it. said, the DBs weren't on the boat. <laughs> Correct. First off, what players do on their downtime, I do not care. If you want to take a day trip to Miami, go uh, have fun. Go ahead and do it. They asked Ben McAdoo about it, and Ben McAdoo said, quote, they were not working. They weren't at work, like, which is the exact correct response. Ben McAdoo, by the way, 39 years old. He looks about 15 years older than that. Yeah. It's mostly the mustache, but still. Dude, that mustache doesn't help, man. Like, he literally looks, he looks like he should be, like, solving, not murders, but, like, domestic situations for the NYPD. He, he's, you know, he is a, he's a jaded cop that never really got that, like, star position. <laughs> he watched the one case that was going to make his career. Like, like, he's, he's a guy that, is on one episode of Blue Blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna throw this one back. He was a—he—he's the special character that shows up once every season on NYPD Blue. Oh, <laughs> Giants, man, just Packers though, just once again, just getting hot at the right time. And Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Randall Cobb pushed off on the hail mary. Yes, we're we're, we're well aware of that, but doggone it. Then again, how are you gonna be 75 percent? How are there five on? defensive backs from the Giants and three wide receivers for the Packers, and the one dude makes a catch in the back of the end zone? And the thing was, it's like you caught it like it was a dime. Right. It's a dime throw. Like it's a perfect ball. Like you would have to. Speaking of pass interference, you would have to commit felonious assault to get called for defensive pass interference. Just like grab him or push him out of the way. Something. They're not going to throw that flag. Go Grayson Allen, triple. <laughs> I'm about it. <laughs> do do. I'm about that life. Like, I'm just saying. So make it like make something happen because there's no reason that there's no reason for that. No reason for that to happen right. at all. Just get the hail mary. Especially at, like at the rate that Aaron Rodgers has been throwing hail marys. Like I've seen him complete five of them in the past two seasons. Like that is absurd. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah. That at all. Yeah. The dude's just unbelievable. All right, switching gears to the divisional round. We've got Seattle at Atlanta this week. Seattle. Two teams that possibly can't play defense. Yeah. Despite what Detroit did. I kind of like Carroll faces his protege. Something that never materialized with the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> but he's so right. He is right. He's so right. That's the other protege. <laughs> the more successful one. That's the early game at 435 on Saturday. And then the evening game is the, the, the loose interpretation of the word game. Yeah. Might not be much of a game. Some little sporting contest. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? I'm not going to waste my time watching that. Oh, I'm totally going to watch I will see you guys next week, okay? <laughs> <laughs> AFC Championship game in Foxborough. Everyone freezing their ass off. Jim Nance saying hello, friends from Gillette Stadium, all right? And then Sunday, the early game, we've got Pittsburgh at Kansas City, which I think is going to be a knockout. That's probably the best game of the weekend, right? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I honestly think that's probably the best game of the weekend. 
Packers Cowboys is gonna be pretty lit, yeah, I think. I was gonna say you're really underestimating Cowboys Packers because I think that is gonna be Um I think the Chiefs win. Chiefs Patriots win. And I said the Seahawks were gonna win. I am gonna go with the Packers. Um I I will believe it when I see it in the playoffs, Cowboys. Fair enough. Packers fans are now triggered as they think of going to Seattle for an NFC championship game. My god. Recent history there. Although, I mean, this again broke the streak because both times that the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they uh, went through the Packers. Weird that history did not repeat itself because it seemed preordained with how garbage Eli was for most of the year, despite them being one. I think for me, I've got Atlanta, I've got New England, and I think the Eagles are going to win. Honestly, like, Dallas has been a fun story, but then I also forgot how important the Jets are to the So I'm definitely rooting Right. The weird thing to me is, like, Dallas would be the perfect team to be, okay, this is, like, to be Green Bay and play in that stadium at home. Like, Dallas playing at Jerry World mitigates the mauling offensive line and Zeke. I mean, obviously he's fast, but it's going to be a track meet with Dallas and Seattle and really any game in the NFC at this point, you know, unless Seattle is able to have that home game against, against Green Bay. But, yeah, it's interesting because – you think of that recipe for winning in the playoffs, right? It's the physical play and running the ball and grinding it down. Well, that's what Dallas does, but they're doing it in a dome when Good they're weather. Yeah, against oh by the way, Green Bay, who might be the best team to play in control weather because it's just dudes running down the field getting open and Aaron Rodgers throwing it to them. Hopefully, this weekend will be a lot more fun than. I mean, I, I can't like, – much like uh, Kirk Herbstreit on college game day, he cannot pick the game with, that he's calling. Uh, so I'm not going to submit a pick for the Saturday night game. Um, Speaking of Patriots, people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of like Atlanta. Yeah, I'm like, I can't be the only one feeling that. Like, yeah. I, just think they, I mean, Seattle's defense without Earl Thomas, I don't think they can stop Atlanta consistently. Seattle's defense without Earl Thomas, yeah. Beats Kansas City. I just something about the way, and I know that Big Ben's hurt. Something about just the amount of talent they have on that side of the ball. I think that's going to be a fun game. City is more explosive than a lot of people thought they were. Well, with the emergence of Tyreek Hill, that helps. Yeah, definitely. Different conversation, <laughs> but yeah, I think Pittsburgh wins that game. And, Wanna, like, like, yes, the Cowboys will be the best team in the NFL, but, like, they're going to <laughs> Whether it's, like, Jerry Jones getting on the, the red phone in the second quarter, like, something is going to happen that is going to cause the Cowboys to crumble. Which is why yeah, I think we're going to get I think we're gonna get an Atlanta Green Bay NFC Championship game that is going to have, like, Way to swing for the fences, guys. So, Jack's make a move because the rest 
we're sitting here in a situation where the Jags, first off, didn't really work very forthright with the information that was coming in or out of that building. They weren't letting people know who they were really interested in. They were only kind of confirming sort of who, like, who had interest as far as their coordinators and who they were trying to, who they were trying to interview. So it was kind of a crapshoot for the past week and a half trying to figure out, all right, what are the Jags doing? You know, we knew that they interviewed Josh McDaniels. We knew they interviewed Kyle Shanahan. We knew they had interviewed Anthony Lynn and a couple of other guys. Token interviews. Token interviews and stuff like that. But for a while there, no one really knew. And then, obviously, the sit-down meeting with Tom Coughlin happened, what, three weeks ago. And that kind of fell off the radar. Well, it comes out early or kind of late yesterday or late Monday, Monday uh, afternoon that the Jaguars have hired Doug Marone as the full-time head coach, which sent Twitter and myself into a wild frenzy. Yeah, when I was in a meeting yesterday uh, at work, and I look at my phone, and I see Wale sends me a message in our group chat says, I want to drink bleach. I'm like, what the hell happened? He's that like, the Jaguars have rehired Gus Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, hired, they hired Marone. I'm like, crap. This, uh, I just wish it, that for that move, I, to justify it for me, you would have had to have fired Gus Bradley after the Thursday night debacle in Tennessee. You would have had to have fired him. And, to then, give, Doug, to, and then Doug, Doug Marone would have had to rattle off like five and three. Like, that which would, might have won you the division away this thing. probably would have the division at that point. But, yeah, so you, th- that news comes out from Adam Schefter, so it sends everybody off into the tizzy. And then about 45 minutes later, Schefter tweets again and says, oh, and the Jaguars are making another move. They've hired t- former head coach Tom Coughlin to be the executive vice president of football operations. Which softened the blow of uh, Doug Marone. Right. Uh, a- absolutely did. Um as I said a few shows ago, and anyone who's, who's listened to our shows, I wasn't necessarily a fan of, of, of uh, Tom Coughlin being the head coach of this football team at 71 years old. I just think that just, you know, it, I, I just don't think it would have worked. Um, but him being in charge of all of football operations, I am every piece of in favor for because he's shown throughout his career as a head coach in the, in the National Football League that he knows how to put together championship teams. He knows <laughs> Twice, <laughs> you know, here in Jacksonville, he's. Wo- Not been a division championship here in Jacksonville since Tom Coughlin left. Yep. That's a problem. Right. So I mean that 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 that's a problem. But guy knows how to win division championships. Knows how to get to the playoffs. Knows how to win Super Bowls. Knows how to put together a great, great football team. So I'm all in favor of, of, of that move. But the move you're going to talk about here in a couple of moments in, in, in regards to the Caldwell, I'm, I'm scratching my head on that. One. Well, the third move. Well, after that, after the Caldwell, everybody's excited. But then again, Ian Rappaport has been about five minutes after that. Probably has more power than Doug Whaley. Slightly. Probably. Which Doug Marone probably tell you. I want to know so much about Whaley's, Whaley's, Whaley's a GM. I don't want to. I need to. And then. Just you know, want to see it. Wait for EJ Maple. 
Doug Marone or Rex as, Ryan's as your as your new head coach. Now, when this when all the news drops, first off, a lot to process because there's there's so much going on. Um, but I mean, I was very critical for the Jags, not only. If it's like no, yay, and. I guess I was so upset yesterday, and the reason that I'm still a little myth today is that this whole situation just appears to just reek up of incompetence, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that's that's not, like, that's a harsh thing to say about a football organization, a football team, but, like, it... But you just had literally the worst coach of all time, so it's a little bit justified. Yeah, I mean, you had a guy who goes 14 and 40, uh, 14 and 48 as his, you know, overall record, and you had that you decide to go with has been on your staff for two years. Plus, you saw also what happened last year when you should have you should have let go at the beginning of like at the end of the 2015 season. And then if you decided, okay, hey, maybe Doug Marone should be the guy that takes the helm. We'll hire him for you know a two-year or three-year deal. You go through 2015 or 20 the 2016 season, this previous season, and you operate under kind of operate under you see if, oh, hey, if it's Gus Bradley, who's really just a terrible coach, then Doug Moreau comes in, maybe wins you seven, eight, nine games, and you're like, all right, this is good. I build on, yeah. Although, if Doug Moreau goes four, you know, five, six, then you're like, all right, probably, probably is a mix of both. Then you you start off scratch, because then you're going to fire Dave Caldwell, then you fire Doug Marone as your coach, and then you start from scratch. And at this point, then you're like, all right, Tom Franklin, if you want to bring him in, as kind of EVP, you can do so, and then you have a clean, you have a complete clean slate when it comes to your head coach and your GM. But you delay all that, and the that the things make matters worse because you don't fire Gus Bradley after the debacle in Tennessee. You wait till week 15 to fire him, and he was going to be fired regardless of whether he won that game or lost that game in Houston. So. Like, what good does it do you to give Doug Marone a two-game tryout? tryout? I guess it's not <laughs> yeah. going to try out because I'm assuming they're not even really looking at... I mean, yes, they're looking at how he got the team to perform and how he prepped this team and got them But there's no stuff. stakes. You're 2-12. and 12. Right. Like, it, you know, if... Because I, I know the point where people were wishing that Gus Bradley had been, had been fired was that debacle on Thursday night at Tennessee. At that point, you're two and five, and for better or worse, the division is still in play. At that point, well, the team still has something to play for because at two and five, you can improve, and they probably would have improved a little bit under Doug Marone this past season. Then, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, how does this guy, you know, how does he do with X's and O's, managing his staff, motivating the team? There's a real life situation there where you can go beyond a guy that's had a couple of seasons as a prior NFL head coach, and then. Because, whether it's the right move or not, if you come out and say, hey, we brought Tom Coughlin as our executive, whatever his title is, oh, by the 
Well then, whether or not it's my decision, it at least has the optics of a thought out plan. Now it's like, uh, Search firm because it seems like search firms get paid a lot of money. Yeah, yes. $100,000 to be like, oh, hey, here are four names that, of guys that you right. probably should have right. found by reading Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport's Twitter feed. Right. Or just watching the NFL. Building connections. Man, I, you could have paid you could have paid me five grand and I would have said, hey, you should probably hire Doug Moreau. Just order, in, order in some pizza and you know we'll come up with a list. We got a we, we can buy a whiteboard. We can do this thing. We can do this. We can do it right here on the wall. We can do this right. I mean, I'm I'm willing to paint that entire wall. Make it a giant chalkboard. Just be like, all right, hey, NFL, NBA, NHL. Yeah. But if you look, you're looking. You need you need you need a new coach. You need a new GM. Hire right. us. If you're gonna if you're gonna bring in Tom Coughlin, win the points consulting. Exactly. If you're gonna if you get shirts and pants and everything, win the points consulting. As long as the check clears, exactly. let's go. Exactly. If uh, if you're gonna bring in Tom Coughlin, what's the point of extending Dave Caldwell? I, 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 I don't see how you're, you you basically demoted Dave Caldwell. I have a theory. and you rewarded him for with a with two year contract extension. I have a theory. Well, three years. Well, te- two technically because okay. he has one year left True. on his deal. Here's my theory, and I think then this is there's a lot of theories being floated around, and we won't really know the full story until I have a theory. Yeah. But th- here's my theory. I think I think Shad talked to Dave and was like, look. I'm bringing in Tom Coughlin to kind of add some stability. I I frankly don't know what I'm doing as far as owning and operating a football team. So I'm going to bring someone who has some experience and can do this. I'm not firing you, but I am bringing someone who's going to be over your head. I think Dave has done a job bringing in you know, new talent, both after free agency, but let's keep Dave Caldwell 
Azure DM kind of as a rehabilitation type situation for for him. That's that's my that's my thought process. I don't know if that's accurate. Probably isn't. And who knows if it actually works because we won't know that until 2018 technically. So it could just be one of those situations. But I, I think one of the, it was one of those things where I think Shotkov realized that okay, hey, I think that I have a talented man here who understands talent, understands what he needs to do, but he might just need a little bit more guidance as far as what he's doing. Yeah, I mean it's his first thing, uh, first foray being a GM in a long time. Uh, assistant GM have been around with Thomas Petrov, but. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder how the hierarchy is going to work. I, I hope for the betterment of and pray again, hope against hope and pray everything that for the betterment of this franchise, these guys can work together and work together. I, I, I think Marone and Caldwell will be fine because I don't think that, like, even though, yeah, Cold, Cold, I mean, Marone and uh, Coughlin will be fine. And I think Coughlin is one of those guys that, yeah, it might be tough for him to sit and sit back and watch someone else coach when he feels like he has the ability to do so. But I also feel that if he truly is wanting, like, when I listened to an interview that he had with one of the local season guys, and he was like, yeah, I'd love to coach, but I really just want to build a team. I think if he really fully gets into, you know, personnel stuff, I think he might be able to kind of, like, top the metal. Now, the question is, is whether Dave Caldwell and Carl Coughlin see eye to eye on this case. And that's that's when it comes to the draft because I think that's I think the draft is going to be this is probably going to be one of the most important drafts for not only Dave Caldwell but for Carl Coughlin because you've got the number four pick if Deshaun Watson shoots up boards like I expect him to and Mitch Trubisky continues to be at the top five pick yeah but the now. Jets really like Mitch Trubisky right. so he's going to add to that mix They're, the Jets are attempting to make like a crockpot chili of quarterbacks. Like, if they just which throw is, is Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty and a little dash of Geno Smith and they add a, a, a little, you know, Mitch Trubisky is the final ingredient, they're hoping that they get an above-average quarterback <laughs> to come out, like, six to eight hours later. <laughs> I think that, I think this number four pick is going to be huge because let's say if you're looking at a situation where, you know, maybe Miles Garrett, like, Miles Garrett should be, if that guy is on the board at four, I think both Caldwell and but let's say Allen's gone. Let's say Garrett is gone, and you're looking like, all right, Caldwell likes, you know, Jonathan Allen out of Alabama. But Coughlin's like, I want a running back. Let's take Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette. And you know, obviously, he's gonna have the he's gonna have the upper say. Apparently, from what I've heard, what I've been told, is that Tom Coughlin has the Colts Colts roster. So, I mean, that would be all Coughlin's pick. But will they be willing to compromise one or the other? That is something that get a better picture of it from free agency because it's such a short window to see, you know, what's going on. I mean, maybe he expects to have more success. Tom Coughlin does like pass rushers. He does. He likes to put lots of them on the field at the same time. Especially after he saw how it worked for him in Cleveland. Again, I'm really not familiar with what you're talking about. No I just clue. Especially pass rushers with seven and a half inches. Right. I mean, well, he had ten at the he time. He had ten. As did Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan and O.C. Ventura. No one really knew who Justin Tuck was. They threw Justin Tuck inside, and the Patriots were like, Mr. Krabs, baby. <laughs> like, what's going on? Does that help? But, yeah, so, obviously, things here in Jacksonville are a little weird.
but I mean, it's, it's going to get better. You no longer have the worst coach in the history of the NFL as employed. It's just like we don't know how much better because we don't know if it's the roster. We don't know if it was just Gus Bradley taking a playoff team. Now in the AFC South, the standard's a little bit lower, no offense. But take a playoff right. team and driving them to be, you know, one of the five worst teams in the league, or if it's just a six and ten team that Gus Bradley, quote unquote, led to three and thirteen or twelve or whatever. Sorry, I mean, literally. So I don't know if you guys are familiar, but uh, Dragonfly Jones on Twitter has come up with the term pummeldrome, and that's like a palindrome. But when you're you're getting beat so badly that your score is the reverse of the other team's score, Whoa. so 41 to 14 and 31 to 13 are your two examples. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gus Bradley's record at one point was a pummeldrome, and then it got worse. Oh my like God. he was 14 and 41, <laughs> and then lost seven more games and got fired. Yeah, I mean, just that's how bad it was. <laughs> that's, yeah. Like, when they're pulling up stats about how Bill Belichick would have to go winless for, like, 40 straight years to have a worse winning have percentage. Worse winning percentage. Yeah. You're right, you're right. So, I mean, that's, that's all I have for this week's episode, man. Like, yeah, I got nothing. Of, pray, for us here in, pray for us here in Jacksonville, please. Well, <laughs> obviously, the press conference announcing... Which is incredible because this is a complete aside. The Boston Red Sox still have not introduced Chris Sale yet. Have they not really? They're waiting for this what? big winter weekend event, which is in like a week and a half down at Foxwoods Casino, and apparently they're going to do a big thing there. Huh. But that trade was like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Like that happened shortly after the World Series, so it's like, what is going on? Uh, I I do have one little thing I need to get off my chest though, and that is. Anybody who's 
not in a similar situation in their real personal life to not do this. Keep in mind, this is the same organization where they just had the general manager's end-of-season press conference. He was asked what his job was, so he couldn't really answer. I don't know. And, and that. <laughs> so, to, so to Buffalo keeps it weird both in the parking lot and in the boardroom. <laughs> I got nothing. Just point being. We've got a top 10 basketball over in Tallahassee right now. It's about to end the the first half. Uh, Right now, FSU is on top, 41-37 going into halftime. Number nine, FSU wins basketball. That that, that just seems weird to say as an FSU fan, that your basketball team is in the top Yes. Didn't you just want to fire the coach? Yes. Yep. Like, I did. Yup. Like, did it with his work. Yes. <laughs> Y'all wanted to fire this man. Now, granted, it's still early, but just just keep that in mind. Yeah. Y'all wanted, how, y'all wanted how to bounce him out. Xavier Rattan May is still around. Like, he's just, like, I'm just terrified of him scoring 40 points in like three minutes. Newsflash, Grayson Allen hadn't tripped anybody yet. Yet. Keyword. Keyword. Uh, one of three from the field, five points. Four assists for Grayson Allen. So, awesome. And no trips. No trips yet. <laughs> so, he has, he has not gone full football. Not yet. Thank you for listening. He's about that life. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. Like, is anyone really surprised? I mean, come on. <laughs> He's just real in these streets. <laughs> Thank you for listening to tonight's episode. Um, the streets of Hodges Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, right. Uh, on the corner of Atlantic and San Pablo. You know how to whoop an air. Close it up. <laughs> He get honey drippers from the candy lady and everything. Son, you don't just, I mean, you don't just walk into the kitchen on this Chick-fil-A without getting my clothes <laughs> on. Uh, He's standing outside a copper ready to fight, dude. There's levels to this. <laughs> Look, you gotta, you gotta know your place when you go to Taco Loop. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Win the Points. You can always find our show on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And you can also follow the show on our social channels. You can follow us at Facebook at Win the Points. And you can follow us on Twitter at Win the Points Pod. You can also follow the hosts of the show on their personal Twitter accounts. You can follow Joshua C. Jackson at JC Jackson 904. And Xander Keane at Uh, Xander Keane PXP. I'll try and break these one liners out on Twitter more. <laughs> and you can follow me at the MC Wale. That is the letter M, letter C, W A L E. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Um, we'll Speaking be of top ten basketball, West Virginia is beating Baylor by twenty six right now. Good okay, Lord. so you so know what? I number one, short lived. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, next week I think we'll have an episode. Um, we have like I've got personal stuff I've got to handle, so and I've got we a, shall yeah I've got personal we, stuff on Monday. We so shall see. We'll see. It w- <laughs> might be it might be a special Sunday episode. Uh, Who knows? Yeah, happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. <laughs> All that. Remember the dream, right? Um, is that a, that's a bank holiday. How come we can't get that as a national holiday? I think it is a national holiday. I mean, but like legit national holiday. I mean, like a I'm off, off, but I've got a oh, call a basketball well, game. But I'm, I'm. I mean, I just don't want to go to work on Martin Luther King Day. That's just me. Racist bastards. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, I'm, sure, I'm sure next year it'll be a national holiday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Anyways, thank you guys for listening to tonight's episode, and uh, we'll go with the new catchphrase. Let's get weird. weird. <laughs>